this is a powerful story, and it's a story of feeling. And did you notice something curious that happens right, right at the time when Jesus heals these ten lepers? So they come up to him. They have been plagued with leprosy, which of course is an incurable disease that they will suffer with for the rest of their lives. And as they approach Jesus and they ask him to bless them with healing, the text points out that they keep their distance. Something we can maybe relate to now that we're coming up, not quite on a year, but we're getting pretty far into this experience of living at a distance, physically, the climate of the world. We are sick. And they keep their distance as they yell to Jesus and ask him to bless them with healing. And then when he does, this is the curious part. He doesn't say, you are healed. He says, go see the priests. That's his response. Go see the priests. Why would he tell them to go see the priests? What do the priests have to do with this? Well, if you understand the context of the time, the priests were the referees. They were the ones who got to declare who was clean and who was unclean. And if you were deemed ritually unclean, you have to remain this distancing that they were doing was actually prescribed. They were not able to be part of the community. They had to live away from everybody. And essentially to live a life of estrangement. Not only were they suffering from the physical illness that they were suffering spiritually from being isolated and apart forever. And the priests were the ones who could declare that they could rejoin and be embraced once more. To be restored to community, something that I think we have a deeper understanding of these days than perhaps we would have even a year ago. You can imagine the feeling in these ten individuals when they heard these words, go see the priests, their hearts would be left for doing. Interestingly, I find that when it comes to illness, sickness, and health, it doesn't always correspond to whether the body is sick. But other parts of us, our hearts, our minds, the spirit that dwells within us. There are words that I will never forget that were spoken by a friend of mine many years ago. Um, in fact, he wasn't a close friend. He is somebody that I got to know when I did a confirmation class when I was a young adult. He was a middle-aged, not very young, uh, not very old adult. Um, but unfortunately, after we were confirmed, uh, he became very ill, and cancer took him uh, over the course of several months. And as was shared at his funeral, uh, a rota was created by his close friends who wanted him not to be alone. They cared for him through that whole process. They took care of him physically, they played music for him, they were present to him. The words that he spoke, which were repeated at the funeral for us all to hear, was during this time when his body was wasting away and he was living in pain and he could barely eat, he expressed that that was the happiest time of his life. His body was not healed, his body was not whole, and yet something in him was already and completely whole receiving blessing with profound thanks. This makes me think also of a very different
different stories. And one that is poignant for us, I think, at this time, which is about London during the Blitz. When you can imagine what that might have been like living in London when planes are flying overhead and dropping bombs on your city. And what people did, what many people did to stay alive is they went down into the underground, into the tunnels below, and they gathered with each other to wait until it was safe enough that they could return to the surface. And what people often did when they were gathered is they would sing. You can imagine those moments of people huddled together. Um, we, if we compare our lives, we don't have bombs coming down from the sky and planes flying overhead threatening us. But we can't gather and we can't sing in that kind of way. Ironically, by being distant, we are promoting help. But the distance is not a healthy thing itself. Well, in London, they had tools and they found them and they took advantage of them. The tools were the tunnels and the tools were the blessing of gathering and singing. We can't do those things, but we have other tools. And we've been making these adjustments. We've been learning ways to live, ways to find healing in this time which threatens us in other ways. Something for which I think we can give thanks, that we can be grateful for. And fortunately, I have to say, especially as we are gathered here in this space, that it won't be forever. It may still be quite a few months until we can gather, but we will be able to gather again. And we will be able to sing with one another and lift our spirits as one together. It's going to happen. The power of the gospel blessing these other examples in our lives that we can observe. It's not just the healing, it's not just the grace and the blessing that's gone out, but it's the power of receiving. That is where the true healing becomes complete. Those ten lepers were all healed in body, but one was totally healed. And incidentally, he was the foreigner, the one who was not supposed to be the hero of the story. But even he was able to be filled with that gratitude which completed the act of healing begun with Jesus. In much less dramatic ways, many of us, I know, will tend to focus on what we have not received to the point that we miss the good gifts right in front of our eyes. This gospel lesson and this olive remind us to look upward, to give thanks, to receive blessing and grace and make sure that that blessing and that grace doesn't end with us, but that we ensure that we spread it and share it.